0: So, do you like podcasts? Do you like movie podcasts? Yes, 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 yes. If so, check out All Things Film, a collection of the best film, TV, and movie podcasts on the internet. Groovy. Film Rave, It Was Only A Pound. The podcast on Fire Network, Daily Grindhouse. Mass, Movie Side UK, and of course, Film Sportation. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you! What? Anyway, all the best podcasts, film and TV related, under one roof. That's all things film. Boys and girls, go back to your studies. Believe me, nothing in life is free. Well, Oak oh, and Batman. All Things Film is 100% free and you can find out more on iTunes, search All Things Film, or online, allthingsfilm.thefilmpodcast.co.uk. Oh, sorry, I think I must have pressed the wrong button. Is anyone left? Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> it's this week in sleaze with your hosts the great lord joshua riegel and sleazy k this podcast has been rated category three no one under 18 may be permitted
1: Let's talk some shameless war crime exploitation. men behind the Sun's exploitation, if you will. Uh, the thing is, shameless exploitation will forever fascinate me, and after Mutunfei did his research and uh, provided this in-your-face-but-valid examination of the human experimentation by the Japanese during World War II at Unit 731, exploitation cachings appeared in uh, the wake of it and it resulted in two semi but hardly related sequels laboratory of the devil and a narrow escape by otherwise ninja exploitation cut and paste exploitation director godfrey ho and these uh might have gotten the titles men behind the sun and the titles i just said uh, two and three as also known as titles elsewhere but uh so we're not referring to them uh, under their long, long, long names. It's Laboratory of the Devil and the Narrow Escape. Uh, but uh, without those titles, that and some titles, there's no doubt what movie these movies are riffing on. Uh, it, there's no doubt that it's in this game for commercial shock value, even though they were failures in cinemas. <laughs> uh, and they're in no way as thorough examinations as Moo Toon Phase movie was. But shameless exploitation deserves a podcast voice to call them on their bullshit or embrace them, kind of shamelessly. Uh, they might be bullshit, and you still want to embrace them. So that's possibly what we're doing here. Even though I let the cat out of the bag that they're lesser in quality. But regardless, thanks, Lisa and With me is Anka Josh. I mean, the great Lord Joshua Regan. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm too, I'm too wrapped up in uh, thoughts of Anka cast. <laughs> Anchor cast. Or Pacino cast, or whatever like that. Uh, a podcast about me. <laughs> I've, got I've got a great country ass. Who's got a great ass. <laughs> Where I can talk about me and my ass. And Sean Connery. Hey, hello. <laughs> I'm here too, fuck you. <laughs> We're just going to do voices. <laughs> It'll be very, like, I'd be exhausted after one minute of switching between voices.
0: <laughs> like, uh,
1: a, a heart attack on the podcast. Like, oh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, how, how are you? Good morning, buddy. How are you doing?
2: Ah, oh, doing well. I'm ready to talk about some uh, war crimes, buddy.
1: I'm stuck. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we're stepping it up in 2014 with the war crime. Come on now with the war crime. <laughs> All right. Uh, It's not super pleasant or anything to do so but it's uh, certainly a direction I thought we were heading in anyway including these uh, ones Uh, but uh, we we go from like the screening room where we do our classy shit. Mm-hmm. Although it's a small, like, lit in red screening room that smells as well. To the Tidy White Theater, which is uh, filthy and horrendous and smells. But it is a larger space where you can, in a more relaxed way, watch uh, movies featuring real-life autopsies. Like we're doing tonight. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, like we have. Yay. And uh, therefore, Tidy White Theater presents Laboratory of the Devil and a Narrow Escape. Uh, Men Behind the Sun 2 and 3, mostly known as. So, uh let's do it let's uh jump into it uh contact information this is this weekend's lease on the podcast on fire network Podcastonfire.com is the website with this show all the other shows and the bonus episodes podcast on fire at google is your one stop for feedback or some uh, some requests to actually do anchor cast or pacino cast or michael Wong cast well let me stop right there we already initiated michael Wongcast cast in a way Yes. You know, imagine Michael Wong, Al Pacino, Sean Connery and Paul Anka all in one. Like uh, Hi, I'm Michael Wong. Ooh ah, I'm Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he would be the more timid one. Like uh, I'm um, yeah I, I don't have too much to say. I um I, I don't like to take up space or anything, so <laughs> like ooh, ah, I'll do it instead. <laughs> I really enjoyed my time on beast cups. <laughs> Just to see if you think myself wasn't my voice. It's, it's cool, I can fly a helicopter, no, none of y'all can do that, right? <laughs> Ooh, oh, no I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can, I don't know anything about Al Pacino, his private life, if he took flying lessons or not, who knows, who knows. Who knows? You know, there's more than Travolta in that town that uh, can, can fly possibly, you know. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, that's the email, uh, Facebook, like our page, facebook.com forward slash network join the discussion group, uh, link available on that page, but you can uh, more easily find it by typing in podcast on fire network in the search bar and uh, you uh, can request to be added and you're in. So thank you very much for all the chat and interaction and what have you. It's been, it's been good. In, in particular, I mean, uh, not to. Make it all about us or anything well thank you in all seriousness for all the wonderful feedback to our men behind the sun episode yes uh, which was uh, a lot of serious work and uh, a lot of time went into it and i thought we did really well on the show i thought like man this came out like snappy and it flowed and uh, the information was delivered in a clear way despite me having the bork bork accent and all of that mm. uh, but uh, it turned out well and i'm very happy that um more people than usual provided um, like verbal feedback. I think normally we have like approval, but silence approval, <laughs> uh, because no, no one wants to say like- Or judgment,
0: oh, I
1: don't know. Uh, well, yeah, it's a large percentage is probably judgment indeed, but I, I don't think normally people easily come out of the woodwork and say, hey, I liked all those cum jokes, that was good, do more. <sighs> this time it was a serious subject and uh, people appreciated that and uh, it's a known movie yes but uh, uh, regardless I was very very blown away by uh, the feedback uh, so thank you very much for that uh, so where were we oh yes tweet us at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire uh, I do writing so sogoodreviews.com and video reviewing sleazykvideo.com ninja exploitation category 3 Taiwanese black movies and uh, Godfrey Ho and Fei has a natural place therefore at sogoodreviews.com man Men Behind the Sun got a big review We the other two movies tonight. Smaller reviews because, uh, frankly, they don't deserve much more. <laughs> or, or, or there's nothing else to say, really. It's uh, Well, these are my thoughts. So, can't do extended like feces um, uh, thesis, thesis on uh, this one or anything but maybe someone will in the future. I won't. Uh, tweet me, twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews, subscribe to this weekend's release on iTunes, uh, rate us and leave a small written comment. That would be very appreciated and also helpful in the long run to get us uh, some more exposure and uh, what have you. So thank you to everybody who has done so. And us on Stitcher available online, but uh, this mover way to listen to Stitcher is on your various, um, on your tablet, your iPad or your phone, iPhone or Android. And uh, that app is free and once you're in, type in This Week list to find us and add us to your favorites if you like us that much. And finally, Brian Kirby at ShelfLifeClothing.com helps out with the music on the show. Joshua does as well, but he doesn't. He doesn't have a t-shirt line <laughs> to plug, So, so that'll so be buy that. Buy some but,
2: fucking t-shirts.
1: <laughs> well, you you know you know a friend that uh, prints t-shirts, so maybe you can. You you know you're not totally disconnected to the to the t-shirt world. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not about to step on Kirby's toes. Maybe we should really act for the first. Yeah, yeah. Brian Kirby is such. <laughs> he's, he's such an angel that normally, but when someone steps into his territory. Yeah, damn the devil, devil comes out like a, a smackdown is in order.
2: Oh yeah, he's he's been known to put a hurting on different shops. I've heard about him.
1: <laughs> well, this is all theory. We're not saying. You're bad <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. it was Joshua. <laughs> oh, it was Al Pacino. Ooh, oh, yes. Oh, ah, uh, Brian Kirby <laughs> doesn't have a. And brain look at set in your bed. Oh, ah. Uh, but hit him up to buy some t-shirts and, uh, you know, I'm going to put in the request to Brian formally that we want the Michael Wong t-shirt and uh, we're going to let him, like, his, uh, creativity bloom after that. We're
2: I, the only two. Who I'd want.
1: I'd buy Michael. it. I'd buy 20 for heaven's sake. Oh, okay. i have to get my friends, like, check this out. This is a Chinese-American guy on the, this. It's, he's called Michael Wong. What? <laughs> I'm getting a t-shirt with a dude on it. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it hot? <laughs> <laughs> He's just standing there yeah <laughs> that's him maybe in a, like a heroic pose next to a helicopter or something with a saxophone in his back pocket and some chinese english uh, uh words in a thought bubble or like a comic book uh, like dialogue bubble
2: uh, a couple of pieces of chinese <laughs> a lot of english <laughs> that's great
1: uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to hit you up, Brian. i uh, send you this uh, sound file so you can uh, see if you um, can find some inspiration in that. Because I know you're, a inspira- you're an inspiration and you're a creative bastard, Brian. So shelf life clothing, hit them up and buy some t-shirts. And uh, plug your endeavors, so your uh, writing endeavor and your podcast endeavor.
2: VariedCelluloid.net is where I write about movies and such. It's uh, kind of on a hiatus right this 2nd Uh only going to be reviewing what I have to because... Uh, you know school is tough and uh the trashy trio that's uh the other podcast where i talk about dirty movies and
1: uh and uh, at the time of recording hit double digits so congratulations you know that's staying power that's dedication oh yeah Yeah. 10 episodes it is a milestone it really is so good on you.
2: yeah as long as they want to keep doing it i will forever keep doing it
1: yeah, you certainly uh, You don't want to revert back to a duo because now you're—it's so established your different right. personalities and how they merge.
2: I couldn't couldn't do it without Jay, and I couldn't do it without Wendy.
1: Mm-hmm. There, there'll there'll be no Peterfile stories or <laughs> without Wendy. Yes, I've said too much, but that's where you hear—that's what you hear on podcast on fire. Sorry. Trashy three or ten, like pedophile stories. <laughs> it involved Wendy, but the, oh, a, it was a false accusation, so don't worry.
2: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> She's Wendy's not really a pedophile, for you oh,
1: know. Wonderful, but... wonderful, wonderful, and funny woman, so <laughs> it's her friends that sucked <laughs> in this. <case>. <laughs> <laughs> it's always her friends that suck, man. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, you can find uh, you, uh, you guys on Facebook and online and on the and on on the on the Stitcher and on the iTunes and on the intraweb and what have you. Yes. Yeah. Trashytrio.libsyn.com, is it? Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Or is it the Trashy Trio? It's one of those. Google the Trashy Trio podcast. You'll find or, us. Or follow the link in the show post uh, or in show or, shops, or yes. the show description. To this episode because nice. we always link directly to you and all of that so it'll it'll be relevant so with out of the way we're taking a short musical break and after that we are discussing laboratory of the devil from 1992 by godfrey ho the ninja guy imagine imagine <laughs> that you're making exploitation movies but this is past the ninja era and him into the unit 731 era in the 90s if you will because he made two of them so uh, sit tight and we'll talk uh, godfrey ho's uh, legacy and these two movies after the break Welcome back and let's talk Laboratory of the Devil from 1992, the, the, uh, not, not sequel but the first Men Behind the Sun type movie to come out of the Men Behind the Sun and it's labeled as Men Behind the Sun 2 as well, although it's uh, more, more the same rather than a sequel. So plot from Amazon. In the spring of 1945 Japan established a secret base, Unit 731 in Manchuria, with many innocent Chinese, Korean and Mongolian people being killed in grotesque experiments. An idealistic young doctor called Morishima, played by uh, Hong Kong actor Jimmy Ao, is horrified by the experiments being performed in the camp. And when his fiance arrives disguised as a Chinese prisoner, he sets out to liberate the camp. So there's a plot. There's no making off background because who needs it? We're here at the Taiwan Fair. It's just uh, us uh, chilling, chilling with uh, fairly chilling stuff actually. But uh, <laughs> You know, Godfrey Ho has been mentioned a bunch of times, and I thought uh, we'd uh, recycle the Godfrey Ho background that the podcast on Fire Network did when recording our undefeatable commentary for the Cynthia Rothrock uh, movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, But that hasn't been heard on this week's list, so let's talk Godfrey Ho and share our spontaneous thoughts on him. And interject and interrupt at any time, Josh, because you're now more in Godfrey Ho land than ever. You know, you've immersed yourself a little bit more in Godfrey Ho land, if you will. I love and, the ninjas. Indeed, the IFD era, the classic uh, cinema that's uh, bound to be picked up by Criterion for uh, box sets, uh, ah. Blu-ray box sets and commentaries by Scorsese and, uh, and filmmakers like that who want to talk of Joseph Lye and Godfrey Ho and what they provided for cinema. And Richard What's... Harrison is there also uh, <laughs> hug- hugging Godfrey Ho and Joseph and saying, You were right, we are friends.
2: <laughs> you helped my career. How could I have turned my back
1: on no, you? No, I love First. The Criterion Collection, love First. Uh, so look out for the ninja collection. By, <laughs> I've seen Ninja Collection by Criterion uh, in this alternate dimension that we're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, but Godfrey does exist in our actual dimension, and uh, here's the buy on him. Was born in 1948, started his career in film in the early 70s at Shaw Brothers, uh, working as assistant director for Chang Che, as many did, uh, Wu Ma did, the late Wu Ma, John Wu did, so he's uh, always a good mentor. Um, and he was working alongside a young John Wu at the same time, so he had, he had several apprentice, um, apprentices uh, around him. And the uh, whole uh, inspiration to direct really came directly from working with uh, the productive dig- uh, with the productive legend Chan chia and his first own project, own directed project, seemed to be this. I uh, haven't seen it. French slash Hong Kong co-production called Paris Killers. Uh, this was a project Godfrey reportedly took over after his co-director couldn't handle it on his own. Uh, we jump uh, forth, uh, forward a little bit. He met business partner what became a business partner joseph lye to begin learning how to sell film and a few years later after joseph Lai formed ifd film and arts godfrey joined the company to gain further knowledge about this aspect of uh, films uh, um, really we were talking also the era where before ifd i think because um, ifd were essentially as so asia uh, as distributors and sometimes uh producers and filmmakers themselves and uh, godfrey ho was on board during that era as well and that era involved picking up a lot of korean shot martial arts movies uh wang jiang lee movies elton chong movies uh and uh, some of them to a, a smaller degree i think godfrey actually made but he's uh he's credited on a lot more that he didn't uh, make and it is tricky to explain this period but uh I'll try and go through it a little bit again and in detail. The, the combo of IFD films and arts by, that Joseph Lai formed also involved Thomas Tang when at ASSO Asia. They were business partners at that time. Thomas Tang went and formed Filmark later. So the, you had a combo of Joseph Lai, Thomas Tang, and Godfrey Ho, and these Korean shot martial arts movies for a while here uh, under the banner of Aso Asia Films. Uh, one of the movies that they did make, uh, it was not uh, directed by Godfrey Ho, though, is this um, quite regarded uh, movie called The Magnificent with uh, Carter Wong and uh, Chen Sing? And uh, so that that's one example. Uh, you also had this uh, combo of both movies uh, where IFD or uh, rather Astro Asia changed directing credit to Godfrey Ho or made him as co-director on the Prince. I mean, if people see a movie like Secret Ninja Roaring Tiger, which is a Korean movie and a pickup by IFD with a fantastic title. Uh, it uh, has a different English title.
2: I want to say that like in that uh, interview that uh, Godfrey did with what, was it HK Cinemagic or was that yes, just an yes, article Yes, uh,
1: well, well one of them, but uh, it's the one I um, have read uh, more recently.
2: Yeah, that, that one, I, I want to say that like Godfrey like replied to a question about you know the way that they made the movies and everything like that and he was saying he made it sound as if, like, he had, like, a second unit, you know, shooting the, you know, Asian films and stuff like that. Whereas, and then he would come in and do the uh, thing. But, like, when obviously they just purchased or, I don't
1: know, if they stole. No, <laughs> um, no, they never stole anything. I you mean, don't think? They were a proper company. I mean, if they did, then they're shitheads. But they were a proper company. I mean, uh, uh, on the, they were on the film market and picking up movies or whatever.
2: It makes you wonder, though, because they certainly weren't paying for the Indiana Jones theme. You well, know? Well,
1: well, the mu- music is another matter. I mean, here we're talking to movies, but the music was uh, uh, free for all, uh, free for all fevery. You know, t- t- Tangerine Dream never got that scent from... IFD for usage of their music and certainly the Indiana Jones theme and uh, maybe big movies like Star Wars popped up somewhere. I mean, for heaven's sake, the IFD logo is essentially the Imperial March from Star Wars. (laughs) Almost. It's 98% and then they do a quick turnaround and then they're (laughs) (laughs) not. Yeah, uh, so there you go. But uh, no, that that that's a misconception that they were thieves and stole like incomplete movies and what have you. Um, but but uh, it, it it's uh, sad though when um, the original directors kind of get lost in the mix because again, S- S- Secret Ninja Roaring Tiger was directed by a very known a South Korean director called Kim Si-hyun who directed a lot of good martial arts movies including that one Secret Ninja Roaring Tiger and I don't remember the original English title really good stuff but it's solely credited to Godfrey Ho which uh, I'm, I'm not totally on board with if I'm being honest with you
2: right uh,
1: especially when it's actually good and you're <laughs> like uh, okay if, if his name is on a crap movie then fine but, yeah um, I'd rather have a co-directing thing than, but uh, IFD were respectful now and then and it, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, took the Chinese or Korean names of directors and just put an English name in front of their last name, which mm-hmm. is good, you know, at least close to it.
2: Kind of points you in the right direction, at least.
1: I, th- I think so, yeah. And nowadays the databases are quite solid. If you look up "Secret Ninja Roaring Tiger" on Hong Kong movie database, there is some info about what it was called in Korean. I saw a link, yeah, somewhere to a Korean movie database, so you can see the original poster and what have you. So. So nowadays the information is a bit more clear. Uh, So in my opinion I don't think Godfrey directed a lot during this time. I know John Charles on Taiwan Noir reviewed a um, uh, one of the Bruce uh, copies, uh, The Dragon the Hero possibly, is known to be an actual Godfrey uh, Ho directed movie. so, so what happened afterwards? Obviously, that um, got, uh, Joseph Lie and Thomas Tang disbanded. Uh, Thomas Tang formed Filmmark, doing the same thing, you know, de- picking up movies, uh, sending sending them out into the world, and later making cut and paste uh, productions, just like IFT did. But uh, Joseph Lie and Godfrey Ho stayed stayed on board, if you will, and uh, that's when the IFT era began. They began pr- producing films with uh, with foreigners and. Uh, When and especially when using the cut and paste technique this came in like taking movies from all over Asia, buying them, not taking them. uh, Stripping them of 10 minutes or so of footage and inserting their own westerners into them, uh, be it completely unknowns or the likes of Richard Harrison, Stuart Smith and making new action movies or new ninja action movies based on this technique and then selling them all over the world and that was profitable for, for a number of years. Because Ninja was the rage in the 80s, you know, thanks to Enter the Ninja, and uh, even Revenge of the Ninja, which is uh, greater than the first movie. Uh, it worked for a number of years, and that uh, Phil Mark did the same, Thomas Tang did the same, so, uh, and, and that's the world you kind of inserted yourself in, Joshua, the, the yes. IFD era when it comes to the ninja exploitation stuff, so any spontaneous thoughts now that you've uh, been christened, if you will, like, mm. <laughs> you, you've lost your IFD virginity? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I can't explain it. I don't, I don't know why I watch them. But, uh, you know, they're not technically well made or anything remotely close to that. But uh, there's, there's something about them, you know, especially the good ones. Like the ones that are closest to being traditionally entertaining. Those are just, <laughs> there's something special about them.
1: I like that. Traditionally entertaining. <laughs> We're watching what Ken likes. It 's not <laughs> what it is, no one knows
2: <laughs> the ones the ones that are just entertaining because kind of how bad they are, I guess would be the non traditional
1: ones and how they merge footage with themselves, if you will, and the original movies is always fun. I mean the thing is here, obviously one of the most more, more frequently used players was American actor for me former Italian uh, spaghetti western actor and gladiator movie actor and spy actor Richard Harrison who initially filmed scenes for only a handful of movies but was made the star of many more thanks to how IFD split up and reused this footage. I mean case in point the footage of Richard talking on the Garfield phone appears in at least three four maybe five different IFD movies (laughs) which is like like, d- don't use neutral footage or anything. <laughs> it's just like, it was not like a Garfield phone was on the, like, desk of every household in the 80s. And that, that's, that's equal to a black phone. No, they, I mean, that, that's just um, silly. So, so they redubbed, uh, maybe in Hong Kong uh, So they redubbed that footage a number of times. And Richard wasn't too pleased that uh, the footage he did shoot ended up being way too many movies than agreed upon. The thing is, he um, he always makes it sound like he like shot one movie. Mm-hmm. And then they cut that up into how, however many movies they ended up doing. Which is, uh, no, I don't think that's true. Because if you look at those uh, that footage, I think he had a Hong Kong stint. Um, like a two, three, uh, it was there two, three times or what have you. Because his facial hair changes and uh, really his demeanor changes from movie to movie. So I think... Uh, you know, it's not like they started him with a particular haircut, mustache, and then shaved it off as they went along. I think he was there for a number of times and knew somewhat of what was going on, but not the extent of it. And I think he's in the right, but he's not as much of a victim as he um, makes himself out to be.
2: I don't like, think I heard Mike Abbott or someone uh, say he had been there, you know, three times or something like that.
1: It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, so that that's the kind of the story of uh, Richard Harrison. Obviously, they uh, uh, had a lot of um, lot of uh, uncredited and unauthorized music in their movies. Uh, but uh, w- what they did bring up, you know, Godfrey Ho was a part of that, uh, and bring forth was uh, a lot of like Thai, Filipino, and Taiwanese crime, cinema and action pictures that otherwise uh, would never been seen in the Western market. Even though they were part of these cut and paste movies, you still got uh, kind of basic. Structure of some of these movies intact and therefore that's the only way to see certain Taiwanese classics and what have you, but if they uh, Sent those movies out complete as well, you know before the cut-and-paste uh, era, uh, which is uh, why I credit them for um, You know being uh, being good to uh, in particular Taiwanese cinema and especially when they ended up in widescreen on Japanese VHS and what have you in these glorious-looking prints. So uh, they did um, they did uh, save some cool stuff indeed. Uh, rumors on the interweb say that Godfrey Ho became involved with the production company Filmark International, the Thomas Tank company, a competing company that uh, used the same techniques. They made ninja action. They used some some of the same actors. Uh, Stuart Smith, Mike Gabbard appeared uh, every now and again at Fieldmark, but uh, Godfrey Hall's own statement in that interview that Josh said, sa- st- he stated that he only used his uh, English name on movies, his Chinese name on movies, uh, an English name like Benny Ho or Godfrey Hall, which is his credit on those Cynthia Rothrock movies, and all those other credits are, uh, it's not him. It's not him. So, if you see like uh, on Filmark movies, like um, or even IFD movies after Godfrey Ho left in the late 80s, you see Alton Chung, you see Edgar Jare, Joe Livingstone, etc. Those people are mystery people at this age, <laughs> you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, I was always convinced even before Godfrey Ho confirmed that he didn't work at Filmark, because Filmark's insanity. Is different and uh, as much as I like Godfrey he wasn't capable of uh, the energy that sometimes is, was present at Filmark in for instance movies like Robo Vampire um, and uh, even you know you read that interview as well even you know Stuart Smith actor Stuart Smith essentially confirmed that Godfrey did not work at Filmark yeah. uh, so there, there's that put to bed you know so uh, but the formula worked, worked very well and uh, uh, both like uh, Joseph and Thomas Tang, they, um, they, uh, they got some business going there and Godfrey Ho was part of the directing and sort of editing uh, team, post-production team at the IFD. Uh, but after IFT, um, his IFT year, at the end of the 80s, he started directing so-called proper movies. In the early 90s you know complete movies not these cut and paste movies uh, you have uh, femme fatale action movies like leaf of the panther or panther uh, i remember liking angel enforcers quite a bit uh, but he also made three movies with Cynthia Rothrock among other movies and probably the best one uh, out of that bunch undefeatable with uh, Cynthia Rothrock and featuring some uh, very classic uh male-on-male fight action between Don Niam and John Ritz-Miller at the classic finale, Shirts Off, Oiled Up and...
0: Stingray.
1: Uh, Stingray, indeed. In the, in the subtitles for the um, Hong Kong edit of Undefeatable, the Bloody Mary Killer edit, the subtitles, uh, instead of Stingray, say Devilfish.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so that's their approximation of uh, what the can... Because it's dubbed into Cantonese, too. So they had a like, audio <laughs> like devil fish <laughs>
2: devil fish is uh it's a Michael Sopke movie or whatever. <laughs> really? I think Lamberto, Durad, Lamberto Bava maybe directed that. Really? I don't,
1: oh, it's a proper man. connection. There. Ooh. Yeah. Artful <laughs> connu- connection even. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he also made uh, Honor and Glory with Simply a Rough Rock, which I wasn't uh, a big fan of. Uh, undefeatable clicked a lot more. And uh, Godfrey stepped out of the movie business in the early 2000s to teach uh, filmmaking uh, to students at the Multimedia Innovation Center of the Polytechnic University in Hong Kong and, so, and as far as I know he is still teaching uh, although I don't know if um, he's teaching at that particular uni so uh, so they, they go I mean in general do, do you like uh, do you like Godfrey hosts other movies if you've seen some of his other movies so, or is it only undefeatable outside of IFT uh,
2: I've seen
1: <sighs> I really, I don't know.
2: Just uh, undefeatable, I suppose, in these films.
1: I, I recommend a fair few of them. I mean, he, he's done some cool action movies. Been part of them, like, Princess Madam with Moon Lee and uh, Sharon yung I really liked Princess Madam. No, no, I don't think I've seen that oh. one. It's well worth pursuing, actually. They're they're solid, like '90s Hong Kong action movies, and not like way more solid than Laboratory of the Devil and Narrow Escape. I'll tell you that much. Sure. Is the editing better? <laughs> I mean, did I? I mean, do you? you the feel is no different to any other like 90s hong kong action movie you know what i mean so it's way more solid therefore oh, yeah. definitely and uh, so i mean I'm, I'm making a lot of excuses but i'm uh, <laughs> i'm like i'm fascinated by the IFT era that godfrey was involved in mm-hmm. uh, because i have fun with it but the, the business aspect of it is interesting uh, but he is also underrated as an actual director so um, check it out uh, but maybe not necessarily for mm-hmm. laboratory of the devil which brings us to laboratory of the devil. Therefore, in short, Joshua, what did you think of Men Behind the Sun two with you? Will? Uh, <laughs> uh.
0: uh
2: Let's see. Uh. Better than better than Men Behind the Sun three.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I can say <laughs> that a, too.
2: Yep. Yeah, not as good as uh, Men Behind the Sun, but uh, pure unadulterated exploitation, and you know and in, in that regard it, it gives you what you expect you know
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm torn with you know i'm fascinated and at one and kind of a disapprover in in a way too i think the most
2: heinous thing that it does is introduce this stupid love story in the midst of unit 731
1: yeah that that's that's, that's uh, yeah as a drama it doesn't work and i mean that uh, for me, too. I mean, there's tons of shameless exploitation on display here, and that is fascinating for a few bursts, you know, yeah. but as a film, it's a tired riff on a way better film using yeah. kind of the same content and technique and story template, but with added drama that no one cares about, really. And it's uh, it's evident early that, you know, it's th- that is riffing on Men on Behind the Sun, obviously, but can't push in its own way. Uh, because he copies a lot of things, actually, <laughs> which is uh, you know a kind of a crime overall. I mean, maybe you shouldn't be surprised that Godfrey Ho copied scenes beat by beat from another movie, but uh, still, it's uh, it does get in places, if you would.
2: Yeah, it, it definitely
1: copies. <sighs> Shock values here. Obviously, at the beginning of the movie, we see uh, shots of uh, fetuses in jars. Uh, did that look real to you? Did those uh, jars full of fetuses? Yeah, yeah, that
2: looked real. I have no idea. Where he would get that or what have you, but yeah, like museum
1: museum pieces or some weird fucked up museum pieces
0: or
2: something. I've I not. I mean, I've been in plenty of labs now, but haven't seen uh, fetuses just sitting on in the wall, you know, held in formaldehyde,
1: <laughs> like like out in the hall while you know, okay. In my imagination, going to school, nursing school is like just like high school and you have like lockers in the hall. So maybe like in in the same hall where you have your lockers and what have you. And meet your friends. Meet your friends. There's the fetuses in the jars too. Like, hey, (laughs) what are you having for lunch? (laughs) Yeah, look at this one. Its head's been dissected. Uh, Like no no advertisement for the school dance. Just like a big old rack of fetuses. (laughs) (laughs) Like this school is messed up. But okay, we're getting an education. (laughs) Well, you know, you can take a look at the you know, brain you just get a look I mean, at it. I mean, uh, the shock value is there. It's not like, ooh, this is quality looming here. Uh, but, you know, it's a real movie. Godfrey Ho, real movie shocker. So, okay. What? It's interesting already, uh, mm-hmm. uh, especially to you who watch like a, a number of IFD movies like Godfrey Ho, so to say, movies. Now, like, all of a sudden, he's going to go at it for 90 minutes, you know, himself. Uh, on his own, man. On his own, indeed, and uh, it's kind of interesting that he went down these paths, you know, after making action movies uh, on his own, then uh, this called, if you will, uh, yeah. but but man Behind the Own was uh, apparently um, made enough of an impact where someone thought, hey, let's capitalize on that, and that's what they did, and it takes place in the... In the aftermath of 731, disbanding, we get this uh, uh, scene between the various higher-ups uh, talking about how the nation has fallen, the emperor has surrendered. And uh, these fucked-up individuals say, like, um, you know, I miss Seven Unit 731. <laughs> I actually have that in dialogue. Where is it? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I miss old Unit
2: 731. Still, let's drink to the good old days. Oh, dear lord.
1: <laughs> and it's it's based on. We actually watched this English dubbed too, so it's uh, it's literally a quote, quote from the English dub. Like, what a fucked up individual. And that's true. They were. They were a really fucked up individual. Uh, there is one there that has a bit of a conscious um, character that I don't remember the name of and don't really care. And uh, the mustache. The guy with the mustache, yeah. Yeah. That dies during the end. Spoiler! Whoa! He gets shot by someone who knows who he got shot by during the end. It's like, <laughs> huh? So
2: what it is is like this. I think this is like a couple of years. It seems like after oh, Unit yeah, maybe it was. I think it because it, it's like it's basically all the heads and stuff like that that are still around. You know, Ishi's not there, but like the all the heads and stuff like that that were involved in Unit Seven Thirty-One have been called together by some kind of rich
0: reunion. Soci- <laughs> reunion. 5 reunion.
2: Hey, guys. <laughs> Hey, we're still not in jail.
1: <laughs> <We> <laughs> they don't even think it happened. We fled. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so they're called by some kind of rich person or, or or something like that. Who was she? Uh, a rich person.
1: <laughs> it's like there's Western chick. There is,
2: years. yeah. There's some kind of Western chick. Um, I want to think that she was dubbed with an accent, like maybe you know, supposed to be Soviets or something. Right. I'm not sure. And uh, they've been called together, and they're like, this this woman says, you know, basically she, that her boss or whatever wants them to continue their studying, and, uh, yes. you know, this is like an economic downtime, so like a couple of them are like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not uh, really proud of what we did, but, you know, my family needs to be fed, you know. Blah, 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 Say, It wasn't
1: that the same guy who said, like, I miss the good old times. So. That
2: was the same exact guy that said that.
1: <laughs>
2: and so, uh, yeah, they're all saying that. And then the guy with the Hitler mustache is like, we must remember the lesson of, and I swear he says, Fono Hisachi.
1: I, yeah, I, I tried to, like, what is that? Who is he referring to? I, I, I couldn't really
2: exactly, hear. Exactly. And so... He's, he says, we mustn't forget the lesson of Forno Hizachi. And then the, the woman says, oh, I like hearing about the old stories from the good old days. Who is Forno Hizachi? Uh, or what's the lesson of Forno Hizachi? So, to learn the story of Forno Hizachi, we focus on some guy named Toro Honda. For the rest of the movie, who the f- I have no idea what the phone yeah is.
1: and uh, and picks. the plot I picked up where he uh, I thought uh, like the lead doctor was called Miroshima right. but it's really hard to hear because the English dub is also overpowered a lot of times by a very electronic but very fake uh, sounding electronic score. Like, they mm-hmm. have these uh, typical, like, drum whirls and drum beats, like your company military movies, but yeah. done in a very, like, cheesy, electronic way. And that shit is loud, and it's all over the movie, too. Like, they're, they're, they're talking, and then you've got... <laughs> like, hey, exactly trying to watch a movie exactly. here! I
2: think it's the theme <laughs> of the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is that annoying. <laughs> Sharp, up, Joshua. yes I'm sorry. Uh, so so, so, so that's like, okay, then they start recapping it, and we get planted into what the Japanese were pushing for at this time, which we knew from one, and that was germ warfare um uh, so again we 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 get thrown into um into all of that, but it's very vague, I mean, we get the story structure, we get the let's even if his character wasn't called Miroshima, I'll say he was the Jimmy our character, we get his story where. Where he's being sent to Unit 731. He leaves his love behind. And what he also leaves behind is some kind of uh, uh, friend, I suppose, who wants to move in and uh, woo his girlfriend. He's yes. really like a slimy looking guy who looks super evil.
2: Yes, he's got like dark rings around his eyes almost and stuff.
1: Like I'm nice. <laughs> So and even chases her at one point, like I love you, I love you, and chases her in the woods and what have you. Like, oh, dude, wooing is uh, done with finesse.
2: Just look at Charlie Joe.
1: Yes, indeed. Even Charlie knew better than to chase people, <laughs> and at least Charlie got you know got his uh, wiener out and managed to get somewhere. you, yeah. you on the other hand did not. Uh, so, I mean, it's very vague. The story structure is clear, but it's not interesting at all. I mean, and then we get some flashbacks into um, to, to Manchuria, if you will. I think they shot this in Korea, I heard, uh, when wow. reading up on the movie. But it's set in Manchuria, obviously, uh, the harsh landscape looks uh, pretty good. I mean, Korea always makes for good looking uh, uh, scenery because it's uh, slightly wintry. You know, it's not covered in yeah. snow. It has that harsh, like, cold landscape that I always enjoy in uh, movies, So whether it's uh, martial arts movies and what have you. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so Men Behind the Sun, as I said, made an impact, and I can't imagine for the life of me that Godfrey Ho had this idea individually and then found out, ooh, another movie makes the, made the same idea that I had four years later. You know, <laughs> it's, I, it's clearly whether he's, you know, was the force that uh, made this movie happen. I don't know, but uh, again, there's no... Um, you know from the first, like autopsy scene, that this is definitely riffing on Men Behind the Sun, in many ways, including doing the same thing, but also doing it for real. So mm-hmm. that's my kind of setup to you to talk about the quite horrific-looking autopsy scene at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's uh,
2: pretty uh, brutal.
1: Fake or fake or real? First of all
2: um real hmm. i i i can't imagine that Godfrey Ho would have the uh money to fake it basically mm-hmm. you know even though these two sequels appear to be uh fairly decent in budget, you know sure compared to what you know you expect from Godfrey ho but like faking this would be pretty difficult it's uh basically uh a dead woman. And, like, you can even kind of look at the, the folds of the vagina and kind of tell that it's real, you know? Yep. And, uh, yeah, and they cut her open. And, and uh, you can tell that the body's been preserved, like uh, the darkness of the skin. The, uh, and then when the organs start coming out, like, you can look at, like, the...
1: Uh, all the gray lungs. and black, all of them. Like
2: Yeah, yeah, it looks the same as, like, when I've done dissections on, like, frogs that have been kept in formaldehyde or rats and things like that. Mm. It's like you can tell the organs have this dark color to them and stuff like that. And you can tell also the fluid sitting inside of the body and everything like that. Like when they take out the uh, intestines and uh, all the the lungs and everything like that. When they get most of that out of there, there's this fluid all sitting at the bottom of the body. And it's not just blood. It's basically some other type of fluid as if that body's been... Preserved in something, but
1: and she looks like uh, a bit contorted as well, like she doesn't have a super peaceful face either. She looks like uh, right, she just yeah, you know what I mean. She uh, it, it looks horrible because she doesn't look peaceful
2: at all, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, everything seems to be anatomically correct in there, yeah, you know, that I could tell. They and then uh, take I'm out not- the heart, of course, to do that, the classic. Uh- heart gag or what have
1: you. Yeah, maybe some close-ups as we've won on more... uh, some small builds or animal organs that they had to dig around in. Yeah, Um,
2: what trips me out is that, you know, uh, that they cut off the arms and legs. It's, like, very bizarre that, like, if this is a legit autopsy, it's like, you know, I've never heard or seen that, but I've never really looked into what it takes to do like a cremation, you know? Mm. So I don't know if, uh, maybe that's what they- Yeah, because they put
1: the body parts of her in formaldehyde or preservance or some some kind of preserving fluid. I, I thought it was like, okay, the parts they don't need, they go into the burner, you know. Uh, right. Like in one, you know, you see this uh, really mad guy, like, singing and, like, uh, throwing, you know, limbs and body parts into the fire. So so, so, that, so I kind of took it as that. Uh, but they do, like, saw them off, like, brutally. Uh, yeah. Which looks fairly real, too. Um, you know, if not, then it looks horrible. Regardless, you know, it really gets the shock value across. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: how Godfrey Ho you know that's if i could ask him anything i would want to ask about this like how they want to know about do ninjas
1: jung joshua <laughs> no
2: i want to know I already know a little <laughs> bit about the ninjas he's talked a bit about that but I'm, i haven't read anything about this and i would like to know how they if it is a legit autopsy which it appears to be uh how they did that and how they uh, had you know agreement a do it in the creepy ass room that the, the scene is shot in yeah you know, with like uh, skeletons on the wall and crap like that. <laughs> it's like, how did they get this body to be done at this location? And then B, you know, how did they get the right to cut off the arms and legs mm. and do it in such a, uh, you know, sloppy-looking fashion?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's not the surgical or anything. It's just like saws, literally saws, like
2: right.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's not nice. Uh, and, and obviously it's uh, to show uh, the uh, doctors there that uh, it's part of the experimentation. So they're doing this in front of a, a, um, a group of doctors, like seven or eight of them. And our uh, Jimmy Owl characters, obviously, he's the conscience of the movie. So he's disgusted. He isn't prepared for, for this and he misses his girl. So there's your like drama. And apparently he has a best buddy too, who we care about zero uh, percent about. Especially when he dies, like, we were so good, we were so close friends, and there's melodrama and shit, like, re- two, three scenes of that, Then we're supposed to care, Godfrey, that his, that his friend dies. Mm. And no, yeah. we don't.
2: <laughs> and speaking of uh, the people watching in the background and whatnot uh, during that scene, the, uh, the autopsy, one of them happens to be in part three. We'll talk about that later.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Uh-huh. I'm not too sure who you're referring to,
2: actually. <laughs> it's what, actually, no, it's one of the characters, like, later on when they have this stupid flashback to the sequence or whatever, it's because one of them is one of the groups of guys watching.
1: Right, right, right. Okay. Right. And he's like, Ooh,
0: I'm a hated unit 731. Ooh. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's a, uh, you know, we're not caring for this movie as much as Men Behind the someone and for for a reason, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's fun to watch a movie like the Freezing Chamber sequence because I love seeing people copying other stuff and copying it badly and a lot more in a tamer way and, and in a super clear way too. It's not like, well, we, it's our reinterpretation of it, like these fucking remakes nowadays, like, oh no. boy, it's my, it's a reinterpretation of the original, not a remake you know and, and what God, what Godfrey do is like not at all uh the same freezing sequence in terms of putting this poor woman outside and having her woman uh, her uh limbs uh, like uh, freeze and having icicles forming and what have you here they have mm-hmm. chambers so, yeah uh, want to talk a little bit about because i don't think you 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 digged uh that sequence in terms of uh oh what an original thing godfrey ho did here i mean uh, what do you think of the sequence in total
2: um i mean it's the same exact sequence <laughs> yeah. basically they, they
1: have they have indoor chambers that's the only difference so.
2: right yeah yeah they put they put her hand in the thing and freeze her hand and then take it and then go dip it in the water or boiling hot water or what have you Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they allows... do it. They,
1: they do it multiple times. Like put them in free ch- freeze chamber at one degree, uh, one particular degree. Get them out. Put them in water. In again. Water. In again. Water. Like rinse and repeat. Right. And and then they do the same cheesy effect. Uh, which is what when all is said and done,
2: Peel the skin off of her bones, basically. Mm-hmm. Essentially, all it is, and
1: uh, it's hard to pull that effect off. I think. I mean, they they were working for right. uh, the budget they were working with, and they saw how they did it in the first one. So probably that's what we can do, you know. And it's right.
2: This looks slightly more fake than the other one. Both are kind of brutal. Both are kind of like ugh, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this one you can kind of see the way her she's holding. Like you can see easily see how she's holding prosthetic limbs. Yeah. In her shirt, you know, she got wearing a long sleeve or what have you, and you can see where the uh, prosthetic limb, you know, basically bends. Yeah, you know, and uh, just even more obvious.
1: Fairly effective, simple effects, right? But um, still, a uh, Hong Kong cinema wasn't uh, K B capable. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, it, it's still like this, along with Men Behind the Sun one and to a degree three, it's still very unusual to have these sites out of a Hong Kong movie or a mainland movie, this nasty edge to, um, to Hong Kong exploitation, even though this was 1992 and category three was becoming mainstream. These three movies still represent something uh, somewhat on the fringe, like, whoa, Hong Kong nasties, like true Hong Kong nasties. Right. Uh, and without mainstream actors, I mean, Dr. Lam is a Hong Kong nasty that stars Simon Yam, So this was still like away from, you know, the Simon Yams and the Anthony Wongs, if you will. <laughs> Maybe they wanted in on the action, but they weren't. <laughs> like, please, Simon Yam was like, come on, man. I want to play Yi Shi. <laughs> I'll play the guard. I don't care. Uh, the, the the freezing effects looks crap too it looks like they took they have like uh, small little uh, transparent like Freddy shower caps on their, on their heads to simulate that they, their hair has frozen so it's like it makes you appreciate <laughs> Muton face effort so much more that they, that, that freezing effect uh, you know on her was massive and so effective like seeing her outside and those right. icicles growing on her but here it's like put some you know, take a shower cap and take as much away from it as you can so it looks transparent and and a bit freddy and white. And then that's freezing effect for us. You know, cat print moving on. That's done. Uh, so it looks, uh, you know, it's it, it's kind of laughable, but uh, it gets the job done a little bit here and there.
2: And we follow that up with the classic uh, you know, guy having his hands frozen and then someone taking a hammer and smashing him in front of him. We get that, too.
1: Yep.
2: Uh, This one... Good and bad. Uh, The good is, like... There's a, a shot where, like, you see the guy about to slam down his baton onto the dude's uh, hand. Yep. And it looks like he's throwing force with that. So it's like, <laughs> dang, I can imagine the actor just hey. got his hands... <laughs> I mean, I imagine he got his hands
1: smacked. Yeah.
2: But they do a quick cut at the moment of impact and go to a different shot. That I'm has hurting the op- you,
1: Mr. Director. Like, <laughs> fuck you, we got the shot. <laughs> over Three that. more times. Let's do it. But, uh... Al Pacino wouldn't complain. He would say, Ooh, ah, <laughs> oh, uh, me. breaking my hands.
2: <laughs> you think I care? <laughs> so, so the, uh, the next shot is like the obvious fake hand being smashed and broken and stuff like that. Not as effective as, uh, the men behind the sun sequence, because in that, the, the actor who had his hands being broken was, uh, you know, a bit more obvious with his, you know fear and stuff like that this dude just kind of lets him do it mm. but like in men behind the sun the guy was like
1: oh my god uh! you
2: know freaking out as it, you would it's,
1: it's also what tamer you know and it, it's it's they attempt to be extreme and harsh and it's not as well done and the effect right. is certainly not as well translated uh i mean there's even sloppy things in this movie i mean um be- before that note, I have written human vivisection with sed- sedation gets its scene, and they do that right. on an adult, uh, which is, um, I don't remember the specifics of that scene other than that and the fact that one of the doctors holds up this uh, this heart, not beating heart, like gleefully holding up the heart, like, yeah, Oh, I did, yeah, that's I hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, this, the vivisection sequence is um, obviously yeah. faked. Uh this time around. Yes. They they take a
1: uh maybe that's why they're making a note's like fake I won't have it.
2: <laughs> they take a plastic sheet basically and cover the entire victim. That way it's basically just uh you know, a, a shot of flesh underneath uh, this a little small square of flesh. So then uh they cut it open and stuff like that and just dig in there and get the heart and everything. But it's uh they're obviously not going through the rib cage or anything like that, so it's obviously faked and uh yeah.
0: yeah. They I get a
2: heart and it's beating
0: to get it's a heart. beating <laughs> <Like>
2: it's it's <laughs> it's beating forever outside of the body without being <laughs> dipped in any kind of fluid to make it beat or anything like that. So Is that
1: what happens and it, can, can, yeah. can you put it in the fluid and it can still beat?
2: Yeah. 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 There's like um How does that work? It's basically I mean, like the the fluid and stuff like that has uh these uh different type of like I forget what they are, like what it has in it, but <clears throat> when you they put it do, in there you should
1: know this stuff, like, oh, I don't know I don't know, well, <laughs> they have the, the
2: SA node, basically, is the conduction for the heart, it's this part of your heart that tells your heart, you know, when to beat and how to beat, and so when it's dipped into this fluid it, uh, it becomes productive and it will keep beating, that's what happens when they do heart transplants or whatever yeah. uh, do heart surgery, open heart that sort of stuff
1: they can't do it forever, right? I mean, it's only for a sure. short no. Okay, okay. No, no, you can't. You so, like, can't Twenty-four uh, hours, it's still like boom, 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 boom like that's po- that's potent fluid. Yeah,
2: no, I think like when they when they even do f- frogs and stuff like that. Certain classes will do that and put it in the fluid, and okay. it, it'll beat for like thirty minutes, I think, or something like that. Oh, wow. yeah,
1: Really cool, really cool. That was cool. What isn't cool, Gorfi, is you taking another scene and shamelessly copying it beat by beat. I mean, we're talking here when Ishii, which I think is the same actor from one, but he's not in the database. so that's, I say, that's what I was going to say. I was going to ask you about be the that. Same. Is it? it must be the same. Otherwise, he looks identical. <laughs> yeah, otherwise it is a doppelganger like you read about. But I think uh, it, they know, don't name him Ishii in either two or three, uh, but it's clear that it's a uh, higher up, uh, possibly Ishii know, a real-life gen. It's definitely Ishii. And uh, the same mainland actor, but uh, during this scene he finds out uh, um, a huge like jar of wine breaks and the porcelain spreads and what have you. That gets him the idea of like let's uh uh, dump uh, like ceramic or porcelain bombs on the population because that will spread out germs effectively. The same thing that he does in the assembly hall in Men Behind the Sun Juan. It's the same scene, uh, other, the only difference is that he finds this out, this technique, in one while being with uh, his uh, comfort woman or his prostitute. Here it's like because uh, some morons uh, spilled uh, this big jar of wine or whatever. And, and, and what gets me about this scene before all this happens is that they get slapped by someone like, idiots, idiot, idiots, idiot, idiot. Then they turn around and you can see one of the guys is laughing. <laughs> oh, <I didn't laughs> they see cut that. really quickly, but you can see him like snickering a little. Like, that was fun. <laughs> 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 Big slapping is fun, and really, Godfrey, you, you could have done a new take there, there, because it was not like a five-minute slap, slap, slap take or anything. And they had, they had film to do that. So, for heaven's sake, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's Godfrey, man. Yeah,
1: uh, uh, but they really, really, that's just lazy to redo that scene in such a similar way. I mean what happens later is we see the bombing mission and uh, uh, the testing of the bombs and they drop them on uh, on prisoners tied to uh, crosses. Cruces,
2: yeah just like we, <laughs> the other movie.
1: Well the, the only difference here is that the test in the first movie was uh, they just bombed them, they just blew them up just to see how much of them would blow up. Right. And here it's about spreading the uh, bacteria if you will but uh, it's still like come on man like uh, yeah.
2: I'm sure that the crucifixes and stuff like that were probably uh, a touch by the director of the first film anyway. You know what I'm saying? So you're just aping him, and prob- it's probably not based off of reality. I'm
1: not sure about that. but I, I can imagine they can just tie them to a regular standing post. A post, a post yeah. yeah. That would have been easier. It know, looks so. kind of, it looks pretty damn effective in the first one. You see that long wide shot of, and uh, all the bombs going off, and you realize a few shots later that there were people down there. Right. Uh, Again, Mutun Faye you know, so much better than Godfrey Ho in this case. <laughs> um, you know, that's a difference here. That, uh, it's, uh, it, it, there's nothing to attach to here. I mean, there's some gore here and there and some fascination with how it portrays the history of it all. But the, the main crime of this one is when you come to a final tally is that it's a man behind the sun movie going through the motions on autopilot. And that's not good because this is history people and you you shouldn't really casually watching history and kind of like hey there's some gore i like gore yeah you should really casually be watching history like like that so I, i'm not demanding that like, godfrey hoes should be as good as moot but an effect needs to be there for this horrible stuff to be effective and they're and they're really like open with the fact that we're making you know we're recreating real life history here but it's so limp and it's so yeah. Lacking in effect and affection, especially when, as you said at the top of the review, involving uh, like the main drama and the romance, uh, the romance of it all trickling in as well. It's um, you you don't care, you don't care. No, it wouldn't have been better without it. It would just be like a little bit shorter, <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: Yeah. I don't know. The the editing in this movie is really weird. I was going to mention that, like. <laughs> The, some of the editing in the film is just like, it, it becomes. I'm not gonna say like completely eh, incomprehensible or anything like that, but that you can easily kind of get confused by a, a bit of it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I wrote down like an order of about six scenes that happen in like five minutes.
1: Okay, wow, it, that's effective.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's taking that's using your screen time, I guess, but like. Right, I got six scenes here. I wrote, like, scene number one, we see Honda's old the girlfriend. That's the one she's being chased by, the former flame or the, the dude who loves her yep. back in Japan or whatever. Yep. Uh, and then we get, we cut to um, uh, the scene where this guy has to have sex with a woman who's covered in sh- uh, sores and stuff like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, one of the prisoners there, right? Like,
2: uh, yeah. Right, yeah, they force him to have sex with a woman. And then we, Cut back to uh, the hospital, and uh, the doctor who was just chasing her through the woods or whatever yep. is now telling Honda's girlfriend that Honda's dead.
1: Yes. Oh, Gasp drama.
2: Right, right, and she's like, "Oh no, it can't be!" And it's like, "Yeah, it couldn't just be a lie, you know. <laughs> this guy was just trying to rape you out in the woods, basically."
1: And also, cut... also seahorses have taken over the world. <laughs> no, <laughs>
2: then, it well, can't <laughs> we can't we, have, we We have to reproduce to save the planet. <laughs> so, so uh, Then we cut to a guy eating a poisoned watermelon, yes. uh, poison watermelon. Also infected stuff.
1: force-fed.
2: Force-fed, yeah.
1: Nom, poison watermelon.
2: Cut to some more guys being shot. And then number the 16 uh the sneaky doctor gets confronted by Honda's father. Mm. So it's like that's six different things that happen in a course of about five minutes, and at least two or three of those scenes should have been like expounded upon if you're really trying to create drama and everything like
1: that. Could have All an this montage of the very shit that they did to prisoners rather than have a scene. Yeah. A yeah. Scene. It's
2: just like this,
1: then this, then this, then
2: this. And then you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. this back and forth thing. It's literally back and forth in my notes here, and. Yeah, it just it doesn't really work, you know. It, it yeah, just especially when trying to do the drama,
1: like they do it in a micro kind of fashion, like uh, right. Uh, but hey, hey, audiences, drama here, drama here. Oh, that's interesting. Audience, yeah, uh, torture spend, here, torture here.
2: <laughs> we're gonna spend thirty seconds or forty-five seconds probably on the scene where like this guy tries to convince Honda's, you know, wife that Honda's dead. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We're going to spend, spend the same amount of time that we do on that as probably the watermelon, yeah. you know, being <laughs> poisoned or whatever.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, the prison breakout is uh, where this drama all culminates that we don't care about. My note at the prison breakout is um, that while they are uh, le- being led by uh, the Jimmy, character, Honda, or Miroshima, or whatever the fuck his name was, and, <laughs> and his girlfriend... Uh, they're running through the hallways, obviously it's chaos, and everybody's gotta run, run for their lives. Uh, the thing is, they are jogging in that way, <laughs> uh, like casually jogging, because they were probably, there was probably no room to run, because the people ahead of them weren't. Yeah. So you can see the other prisoners running along, yeah, we're, we're escaping now. <laughs> it's very calm, like really military like like <laughs> i and, don't and the, know what i've been told
2: <laughs> the reason all this happens too is that like you've got uh honda's girl uh i can't even quite remember why she went to uh I guess she
1: went looking around? Well, because maybe she wasn't convinced he was dead. She wanted to see for herself. And then she got herself (laughs) thrown into the prison by, uh, not by accident, by by intent. Or something like that.
2: Well, I don't know if it was intent or not, but she got with this little uh, young boy who uh, she led to his death. Uh, She got with this little boy.
1: (laughs) You die. I go into prison. Like, cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well... They uh they teamed up together on the streets and were able to get arrested and treated like Maratha and uh it's taken lot, to logs. Yes, and taken to uh Unit seven thirty one. And then at the same time you've got the dad in a scene that was oh, never hey, shown in
1: uh, oh, huh? I, I love this scene, by the way, that you're gonna describe it with the dad.
2: <laughs> well it depends on which one. Uh, but,
1: well, when the dad get when the dad gets sick,
2: when he gets infected. Oh, well, I'm gonna get to that. But like okay, okay. the the dad in a scene that was never shown in the film or what have you, the dad of Honda, right? right. That's what I took it to be. Even though the girlfriend was like, "Dad, Dad," I guess she was just acting because she knows him. I don't know. Anyway, Honda's dad is a doctor, just like Honda was back in Japan, and. He refuses to uh take the skin off of people for grafting onto Japanese soldiers, which at the time I'm not even sure that was physically possible. <laughs> but um I'm not even sure in nineteen ninety two that was physically possible.
1: Godfrey but, was minded it was everything <laughs> was possible.
2: Was possible. <laughs> so uh he were there, were there
1: ninjas in the nineteen forties <laughs> because Godfrey lay off the name, just like, okay, cool. Just
2: check it. Well, I might add that there is a fight sequence.
1: Is, is Richard Harrison
2: available? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were Russians there, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: So, um, the dad refused to do this, and he gets brought, and he used to be a schoolmate of She, so he, She's like, I'm not going to just kill you. I'm going to make you one of our scientists. So, uh, he gets set in a room, and... <laughs> Whenever he sees, uh, like, while he's working on his experiments, he looks out the window and he happens to see his uh, Honda's wife, girlfriend, whatever, and uh, isn't s- he's like, it's so blown away at seeing her that he completely <laughs> loses himself and drops a bunch of. Plague on himself
1: <laughs> sorry but I thought I was so funny like what a moron
2: <laughs> like seriously that's the way he goes I've gone
1: down yeah. it again <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a moronic thing I'm so shocked that he starts spilling shit and then he's fucked
2: you know? <laughs> and then he's dead then, well he's not immediately dead he gets put into it's, oh, it's no. not
1: like don't tell anybody <laughs> don't tell anybody what happened <laughs> like what did you do to yourself did you drop some did you drop some plague on you again yes.
2: <laughs> seriously you dropped the plague on yourself
1: <laughs> <was she>? jesus <laughs> I'm that's it's horrible but uh, i hope it didn't happen but it's such a moronic thing like you will feel so dumb
2: like i, think, I mean oh. that would be horrible right it's like it was... it's like your entire fault you know? <laughs> yeah i know you did it to yourself because you weren't because you had the plague or whatever in your hand and you t- weren't even paying attention you know it's like
1: ah oh. like he seems like he's so rattled easily like, like <laughs> dude dodge <don't>, ah! <laughs> ha it's like oh who's that out the window <laughs> oh. oh the seahorse or what, what? oh no i gone down again <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you uh, wouldn't want to have that on your official like documents. Like died because he dropped the plague on himself. Like <laughs> anything but. Like I feel so ashamed.
2: <laughs> so he is putting like uh, you know isolation, and then at the same time you have uh, the whatever she would be uh, Honda's wife running around the complex, yeah. and uh, Honda hears about it and decides to go Rambo, which really blew my mind that this is the direction they decided to go into. And uh, he goes Rambo, and shoots a couple of guards, grabs the girl, and leads the revolt against Unit 731.
1: The jogging revolt.
2: Right, the jogging <laughs> revolt.
1: No, no need, no need, you guys, to like exert yourself or anything. You can just, you know, we're getting out of here eventually, so just, just jog along with me. Just lead, I'll lead way. Like,
2: it's like you're gonna do a story about Auschwitz, right? And you're going to make it a love story or whatever that leads and ends with the, like, revolt against, you know, Auschwitz.
0: Yeah. Oh, God.
1: Like a, a ticking clock, but it's cool. We got time. <laughs> we got plenty of time. <laughs> I don't care if this didn't happen. I mean, whatever. I, I mean, it's extras direction that uh, Godfrey didn't uh, caught. the way cinematographer said to him, like, it looks like they're jogging. Like, the can't moving on. We're right? Moving on. <laughs> Uh, so, it's not a very exciting uh, way to end the movie or anything, like uh, pulse pounding or anything. It's not like that.
2: Should we go into complete spoilers?
1: Sure, sure. I'll spoil much yeah, over. So
2: they lead this revolt, you know, against Unit 731, and everyone fucking dies. Yes. It kills everybody.
1: Because this shit is dark. It was a dark time in history, and uh, characters need to die that we didn't care about, and therefore the emotional reaction, like, and then like jumps through the roof, right, Josh?
2: You know, you, you think that they're going to be like, okay. Like, they set it up at the end. Everybody gets shot. Uh, Torah Honda is the only one standing at the end of this. The little kid's dead. Friggin' the uh, girl's dead. You know, Honda's girlfriend or wife, whatever, is dead. And Honda's the only one kind of standing. He's got a few bullet holes. And it, it sets up this, like, showdown between yeah. Honda and the kind of like the jerky boss uh of his platoon or whatever who he's kind of been buttonheads with the whole the whole movie. Yeah. So these two are like staring each other down and they're about to go at it and have a little like knife fight basically or something like that. Like running at each other. Now, conventional logic would tell you, "Hey, you know, we're gonna end it by having Honda at least have you know some kind of victory. Like it's a small victory, everybody's dead or whatever. But you know something good happens. Kind of. Nope. Honda gets his He gets his head chopped off. <laughs> gets his head chopped off in a very in a pretty, a pretty decent little decapitation too.
1: Mm.
2: It's like wow. So he gets his head cut off and like we're immediately cuts like immediately back to the uh the guy with the Hitler mustache telling the story and he goes and that is the end of the story and boom <laughs> and he is and then we cut immediately to him outside walking down the street it's like they didn't even show anybody else in that room no. just him saying and that is the end of the story bam outside he walking down the street as we mentioned earlier gets assassinated and uh
0: And you that's never it. see
1: by whom. It's not like we see a no. girl or anything shoot him in the back. It's like number one, oh you were still in this movie. Number two, who was who shot oh whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's
2: like and it, you think, okay, well this is gonna lead to narrow escape, right? This is what I was thinking. You know, I watched two first. I'm thinking, okay, well this is gonna lead to the third one movie. It's gonna pick up where that one took off with all these guys.
1: You you, you you would think too because they share the same cost,
2: right? you be like, okay, well, it's going to go to them, go into the Soviet Union or something like that, and continue their you know experiments or whatever you know, or uh, okay, we're going to set you back in you know, Manchuria or something. You, you think that's where it's heading? Sure. Nope. No, <laughs> uh, we'll get to v- that. V- in a minute.
1: <laughs> uh, The only thing it has going for it, really, I mean, it's tolerable to watch. And as shameless exploitation, I can't tolerate to watch this because there are some fascination, you know, ill fascination, but fascination nonetheless. Uh, But the main tolerable aspect of it is its awesome poster. Wonderful (laughs) poster with the skeleton arm and the barbed wire and the Japanese... uh, army hat of some kind hanging on uh, hanging on the skeleton, skeleton arm or on the uh, barbed wire fence and what have you. Really iconic shot, you know, and a red background too. And so man, dad that, that had a frame in a heartbeat if I could get a big poster of uh, of uh, Men Behind the Sun too if you will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Really really cool, really cool. And it ended up on every like release of the film because that 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 is an awesome, awesome poster. So they did it their best work on um uh, on, on that. So, yeah. but, but it wasn't a runaway hit in Hong Kong or anything. So, because it did play in <laughs> Hong Kong, it was a category three movie after all. Doubly was uncut, but um, uh, maybe not butcher or anything. Uh, so, do you have any notes or should I go into availability?
2: No notes. Just I would like to say that, like, overall, uh, I guess I kind of enjoyed it. It's, it's 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 serviceable. I mean, it's a piece of exploitation. So, I mean, yeah it it kinda gets that job done. It's not very respectful to history. It's not respectful to uh the original film. It's not respectful in any way whatsoever. But uh you know there are some good locations. The uh you know, some of the special effects are worthwhile. The um autopsy sequence is pretty nasty and like but also at the same time kind of interesting if you're kind of you know, interested in anatomy. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah,
1: it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's tolerable. I agree. I mean, I, I can right. return to it, and I, I probably would, based on the fact that I know this shamelessly exploits stuff, and I know that it has some bursts of laughable and even um, immersing stuff. You know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll 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 sit down with it again. You know, right? I'd so, give it uh, another go. Cool. And as for availability, it's been on VHS in the UK and Netherlands mainly throughout the years, uh, and uh, mostly. Uh, uncut, uh, therefore that's why I'm focusing on uh, those editions and mainly the Netherlands editions were uncut and English dubbed. Uh, but as for DVD, it ended up on the Dutch label Japan Shock uh, with the added uh, spec at that time of being uh, letterboxed. I don't think the VHS uh, floating around before were letterboxed. So uh, there's that is the same label that put out the first movie. Uh, there's also more recent Austrians edition from professional cinemedia and uh, and uh, they also put out a Man Behind the Sun 1 DVD with varied uh, amounts of languages and subtitles. But as with that Man Behind the Sun 1 DVD from Austria, the anamorphic upgrade is uh, nothing to write home about because it is based on the same letterbox boxed versions that have been around for a while. So they just uh, upscaled it. Uh, so there's no jumping quality, but the Austrian DVDs might be the easier ones to get. And uh, if you want to hear it both in English and Mandarin, you can. So there you go. And Hong Kong editions, um, I don't think this got um, a lot of widespread distribution on VHS or Laserdisc. Would have be the first one did, but uh, I didn't see an entry for laboratory, laboratory of the Devil on uh, Laserdisc. And I know there's a like a Pan Asia VHS that maybe Tai Sang uh, distributed in the in the US, but uh, if that was uncut, I'm not sure. This English edition, English dubbed edition, we watched. Pretty poorly dubbed edition, that is. Uh, What's uncuts? So, I mean, uh, for for dubbing, you say fine.
2: poorly dubbed, I say fantastic.
1: I mean, it's uh, it's it's fun, but not necessarily like immer- like immersing performances or anything. <laughs> One
2: of my favorite parts was like uh, there's a sequence. I forget what the other guy says, but he's like, you know, I can't think or something. And the other guy's like, ha ha ha! Shut up, you idiot! <laughs> like, like, hey. He's, like, <laughs> he's saying it like a friend or something <laughs> you <laughs> shut up you idiot
1: that, that's I like, not funny <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, okay what <laughs> why are you talking Shirt? like a mo- m- movie dubber <laughs> what's a movie dubber we're in 1940s what? we don't know anything about this
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> we're lucky to have talking pictures what are you talking oh, about oh
1: look at the seahorses <laughs> what look You're at the back. seahorses outside <laughs> shut up Oh, boy. we uh, we'll, uh done joking about uh, joking around about Laboratory of the Devil, and next up we're going to look at A uh, Narrow Escape, A.K. Men Behind the Sun Free from 1994, and also by Godfrey Ho, his second Unit 731 movie, if you will. So sit tight, and we'll spill the beans and talk about uh, all the details that are worth talking about in that movie after the break. Oh, God. God, not this movie. <laughs> oh, not this movie. Oh wow. Can we skip it? No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're we we committed. We'll watch any movie that's presented for us. <laughs> uh, Sounds very military all of a sudden, but <laughs> Sean, Sean supports the show now? <laughs> I, I just watched a bridge too far, so maybe I'm like a very um like um very like a military Sean Corner. Oh, okay, military Sean. Sh- okay. Yeah, they, maybe. Or oh, it's just a poor impersonation too. So. What are you prepared to do? <laughs> <laughs> it's like almost train spotting Scottish guy. Shy being the- Scottish. <laughs> and Michael Wong Shy saying, "Yeah, guys, yeah, we'll we'll take a break now. We'll watch a narrow escape uh, after that. And after that, I'll fly home in my helicopter. And you don't have a helicopter, so shut up." <laughs> <laughs> like that—that's Michael being slightly like on the edge. Like, guys, you don't fly a helicopter, so shut up. I do. Okay. Like, I I can it's speak more weird. Chinese than you anyway. <laughs> I don't know much, but I know more than you. Like, who are you're right. <laughs> <laughs> he got us there, Sean. He got <laughs> us Okay, enough of that. We'll be right back. To come back and let's talk a narrow escape A.K. Men Behind the Sun 3 from 1994 by Godfrey Ho. Plot Unit 731 has to shut down its base in Manchuria and all evidence that it existed must be destroyed. During the shutdown, a soldier played by Jimmy Al from Laboratory of the Devil in a different role as we said he gets infected with uh, <laughs> I've taken the plot from, from Amazon. He gets inf- infected with some plague. It's like <laughs> a little bit of plague. <laughs> <laughs> a little
2: bit of that plague got him, huh? <laughs>
1: So uh, that, that, but he does get infected with the plague and ends up riding a train back home with um, uh, with his friends. And he's a biological time bomb uh, aimed at the heart of the Japanese Empire, as the plot uh, as the plot says. You know, so uh, so they're going home. You know, they're fleeing, but uh, one is sick there on the train, and the Japanese Empire is falling apart. So there you go. No background as such, because uh, there's no making of background. There's no additional players to talk of, really. We've talked about Godfrey Ho, so we'll jump right into it. And, uh, just because I can.
2: Nothing to talk about?
1: <laughs> no, not. I don't know any behind-the-scenes tidbit. It got made. We're done now, Josh. We only do a plot, and then we sign off. You
2: know? Okay, good.
1: It's a new That's... kind of podcast where nothing happens.
2: <laughs> well, It's just like this movie where nothing happens. Yeah,
1: it'll take off like crazy, like... Uh, we get uh, five-minute podcasts uh, done, like, uh, seven times a week, almost like well, that. Right. They don't say anything, and it's fascinating.
2: <laughs> we'll just, you know, begin with, like, we'll do, like, all the thanks and everything like
1: that. You know, buy some shirts from Brian Kirby, yeah, and then that'll end. All right, well, that'll be it for next week. Till next week. <laughs> uh, but uh, we are going to talk a little bit moving now, and I'll do my brief opinion first. It's more of a true sequel to Men Behind the Sun 1, because it deals with events post- what happens after Men Behind the Sun ends. Uh, uh, it uh, It's admirable because it attempts to be a drama. It's a very contained one, as it sets mostly on a train with flashbacks to the horror the soldiers were part of in the second mm-hmm. movie. But it's sporadic interest only and barely, really. It's not very affecting and it's worse than Laboratory of the Devil. This is uh, a boring melodrama, but... Uh, yes. Yeah, that's it. So, what's your brief opinion, first of all?
2: Uh, it's a boring melodrama. <laughs>
1: it's. Uh, I mean, it earns yeah. its rating. It does because it uh, flashbacks what's to horror uh, horrific footage, but it's largely a drama. But 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 don't you agree? I mean, at least the in intent that okay, they're they're doing something new here. Yeah. Well.
0: Yeah, well, I no.
2: agree. <laughs> it's like I can't give it any kind of a positive spin. Can, no um. i I like elements of it i like ishii flying around in like a plane above them like sending down you know brutal orders and everything like that not being with the men i I like that uh i do like the train setting in certain areas it becomes a bit too much eventually but you know there are there are elements that i like Uh, i do you know i agree that it's you know it's it's nice. I mean, it's it's an interesting choice. It's an interesting way to go about it. It fails much more than it succeeds. Um,
1: we get uh, footage from part two as part of the recap. It recaps the horrible and different experiments, and uh, for for a little while, actually, it makes you connect to the horrible history that you and I read up on and know of. You know, and uh, it's uh, it's interesting to see that we get um, th- that it is falling apart. We see them destroying all the evidence. How to strategize in terms of. Uh, keeping the secrets of the experiments, uh, including carelessly killing off all the prisoners with machine guns, you know, with right. glee, with glee, too, with intensity. It's not like, I'm sorry, it's more like, you know, yeah! Da, 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 da,
0: da,
2: da. Yeah, kind of like that guy with the heart and Laboratory of the Devil. Yeah.
1: So, so I mean, they're, they're, they're scumbags, we know that. So, it's, uh, I don't mind the start at Unit 731 where chaos is, you know, reigns, like uh, where they have to get the fuck out. Um, so, That's good. Before the train stuff is uh, not... I quite enjoyed that, yeah. And obviously it sets up the uh, story of uh, another moron (laughs) getting infected by the plague. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, dude, like, that happens. He gets a tear in his uh, suit Mm -hmm. and then he gets cut. And then they come out in uh, the corridor or whatever and meet their superior. Like, you know, are you done in there? What happened in there? Nothing happened in there, sir. Wouldn't their uniforms be riddled with plague and... Or do you think they walked through some kind of decontamination chamber before walking out into the corridor? No, no, that's the thing. It's like, it's like, sir, do you have Plague on You? No. <laughs> you like you
2: wouldn't, you wouldn't think you would go into any lab, any kind of science lab or anything like that, filled with chemicals. I'm talking filled with them and just start smashing stuff with a sledgehammer that suit ain't going to protect you if you get two substances together that you know explode or catch yeah. fire <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like that's incredibly it seems like that would be incredibly dangerous it's like why wouldn't you properly dispose of the chemicals first before smashing everything and burning the building down or whatever you know yeah. Yeah. it's like so the whole the whole sequence and it's literally them Shoving over like tables, you know, just covered with like bottles and tubes filled with like different substances and stuff like that. It's the most illogical way to destroy a lab ever, you know? (laughs) All they need is the doctor to drop, uh, come in and drop the plague on one of them. Are
1: you still here? What? Crash. (laughs)
2: They should have brought him back and had it be a little bit of a prequel or something like that. Yes. Have him, like, walking in with, like, a tray full of tubes or whatever.
1: I hope I don't drop it and uh, (laughs) I'm gonna be really super careful this time. (laughs) He throws it
2: (laughs) Gets one of them.
1: Ah, oh, again! He can have a catchphrase like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! Gone done it again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> done gone
1: done it again. <laughs> like Godfrey Ho, I know Hong Kong cinema is known for its comedy, but come on, dude, this is Unit Seven Three One. This stuff happened. Like what?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, he gone
1: done it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all funny. I'm <laughs> funny. It was funny in 1992. Still funny to me. <laughs> Damn right. So um, yeah, that, that you know, that struck me like they they must have you know germs and bacteria and sickness all over their suits, and they're like walking around with pe- around with people, not wearing it, their own people. Uh, so uh, what else? But uh, it's uh, it's over quickly, far too quickly. Quickly because that was fun. <laughs> that concept was fun. <laughs> uh, and they 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 gas some prisoners to death. They order their own to commit suicide. They pop, they pass out vials and what have you, like with uh, cyanide or what have you. So it, it's it's what happened. What what, uh, what you can read up on. That's what uh, Ishii and company ordered them to do either to shut their mouths, or you know be ready to uh, commit suicide if the invading forces, you know Russians or what have you. Actually came uh, came uh, to the unit before they left and what have you. Yeah. Uh, so, so so I like that like insight into the nitty gritty of what it took to shut seven three one down. We get some of it in Men Behind the Sun, but it more of a breakout sequence in that one, a more of an elaborate like in in the field action sequence with uh, cars chasing the prisoners and what have you, uh, rather than a big old. Dude. Yeah, they, they had they had some of it, but I like the insight into it um, here. And for a bit, it looks like the better looking film uh the wartime props in narrow escape mm-hmm. uh not too bad they got an actual plane in there No <laughs> oh, shocker they got a plane
2: <laughs> well that and then there's like the like seems to be almost like hundreds of people that they're shooting down during that one sequence
0: yeah.
2: during a flashback or what have you yeah. and then like there's the all the people that line up next to the train and the subway station tons of extras it's like it's yeah. what i was saying earlier it's like it seems like had decent little budget on this movie.
1: Yeah. You know? And the costumes look good too. I mean they right. look authentic. It's not like, well the costumes were brown, but we only got blue costumes, so we're going right. we're going with that. You know, it seems it seems authentic and what have you. So so before they get on the road, uh there is something there like, hey, I can hmm. get on board with this and then it kind of peters out after that. That's that's really he, Godfrey attempts like to do a like a tree a triangular or trio kind of um, melodrama here, you know, where we get right. to know the sick Jimmy Al character, we get to know uh, one of the other guys. I don't know who he is, but we I also get know to know uh, we also get to know actor Robert Mack. I mean, he's recognizable from Shaw Brothers and what have you. He was in a few Lau Garland movies, I believe. Uh cries all the time in the goddamn movie, that actor. Uh, and and then some girl. and, and I'm saying that in vague kind of ways because there was not a chance in hell after 20-30 minutes that this was going to fa- feel uh, uh, impactful or anything. Right. Uh, it, it dawned on me quite quickly that I liked the choices, like the story structure choices, but the co- but the execution within it becomes quickly really really uh, boring mm-hmm. and melodramatic. Uh, and that melodrama, in a way, was interesting for for a second as a concept because it's their internal melodrama, the Japanese, and how they feel so distraught about their empire falling apart. At one point they hear and they get a telegram or whatever, that the Emperor has surrendered. And that's right. just akin to them dying too.
2: Right. And they all freak out.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but that, that's like a, a second here and there, a minute here and there, and there, then it's mostly like the three or four friends, including the the sick, uh, the sick character. And I don't remember if he ever died in the movie, to be really honest. I, I stopped.
2: Uh, uh, he did. But, like, you know what the movie really lacks is, like, we have no understanding of their relationship. They they mention that they're all from the same place. Uh, the girl's not, right? That's someone they met, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, like, the main guys are all from the same area back in Japan. But we don't really get any kind of knowledge of who they are. Or like where they come from, why they're so tight, or anything like that. You know, it's just that, okay, we all come from the same place, we're all friends. But, you know, I felt, you know, you don't really feel any kind of endeared to anybody. Right. You know what I'm saying? You, you don't really feel like you ever get to know these characters. You know, I, I I couldn't tell you their names, you know, if you put a gun to my head.
1: It would be so interesting if, if they'd actually made, like, we, a drama that you were glad to follow despite these being characters that done some heinous things, uh, where, right. whether or not they had a conscience about it or not. It could have, like, there's an idea. Yeah. A challenge.
2: There could be a good movie made of this, but it's just it didn't happen, you know? And uh, going back to the sick character who died, he ended up killing himself with a vial of uh, poison or whatever.
1: Right, right, right.
2: Like, rather than continue taking the medication.
1: Hey, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, why didn't get the entire train get the plague, or the plague gets transferred? I
2: have no idea.
1: Because <laughs> like, he's there, no, he's coughing all. and he's fucked up and he's delirious and what have you. Wouldn't Cough like at least body. one get uh, infected too? Or how does plague work, Joshua? Tell me. I,
2: I, I do not know. I have not looked into. I would assume though it's either passed on through, it's either airborne or passed on through droplets, and either way, it's like.
1: It seems like if he's coughing all the time... And, and, no, in a and he didn't this... cover his mouth once while coughing. And, and they're, in co- they're in a contained space, too. It's like... And neither did the doctor after she con- contracted it,
2: you know? <laughs> she didn't even cover her mouth. So they're all just coughing on each other. <laughs> <laughs> all over each other's faces the whole movie. It's like, God,
1: you idiots. You, he has plague. <laughs> yeah, there's no. They, they definitely know it. It's not like he... Uh, Guys, I'm sick. Well, are you, are you, do you have a cold? Do you have a flu? No, but play dum-dum-dum. It's not that <sighs> kind
0: of
1: reveal or anything. They know. They, yeah. Like the internal, like the three, four characters, they know that.
2: They they were with him when he got, you know, the cut or yeah. whatever
1: inside the lab. So um, there you go. I mean, and... and- you know, it's it attempts to uh, show some humanity in those types of character. Uh, our main characters are not super cold. In terms of, god damn it, I miss the days of Unit Seven Three One already, despite it being yesterday. <laughs> 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 it, it, they're not cold like that, you know. Is she flying above them and all of that? He is, and uh, um, so, but but as it goes along, you know, it uh, it. it it doesn't, the feel of like, okay, a different story structure is attempted here, Peter's out, and it's not interesting or clear what the characters, kind of, why we should follow them and what their motivation are, it, it, aside from being friends and uh, the friendship being like torn apart and them riding a train towards, you know, death, essentially, because they're, they're hunted. Uh, right. That's the thing. It's not like it's a straight and- line to freedom and all great.
2: And I actually find it kind of interesting that, like, okay, they hear that, you know, the Japanese have uh, forfeited or whatever, that the, uh, you know, the emperor has signed over, you know, the, you know, signed the papers and everything like that. But, and I like, you know, I find it interesting to imagine, you know, Unit 731 being defiant they're going to fight back and wage their own war against you know sure. everybody else and go take over the country. You know, I, I think that's interesting. That's those are interesting ideas, even though they're like, you know, probably completely opposite of reality. You know, and what really happened. But hey, at this point, you can kind of go with it. It's like okay, well, that's an interesting way to do it. You know, but ultimately, nothing at all comes of that. No, no, it, it's basically just thrown away. The, it's a, a thread line that goes nowhere.
1: It's a slow ride to perish and a slow ride for us as well, you know. And, <laughs> uh, and, and and you know, what do you ultimately think of how Godfrey Ho incorporates the footage from uh, part two? Because this drama that like we it have it talked is. about, uh, that is not category three drama at all. Um, no. It's uh, the category three rating comes in play when um, flashback into part two. So how do you think he incorporated uh, the scenes that he shot? His own scenes? Uh, Poorly,
2: <laughs> I hate. And it's not I'm just down on it. I mean, it's it's the truth. I mean, it's you know, it's like shots a bunch of stuff from the first movie that you know, like in the same state. Like earlier, I mentioned in the uh, first autopsy during uh, laboratory of the devil. Yep. They have they interject one of our characters from part three having been in the room during that. So we cut the reaction shots of him going, "Oh my god!" Mm. And you know, with the autopsy, and that's about as clever as it gets. It's I've seen more clever, you know, ways to splice things together
1: in Godfrey's old ninja movies. Like <laughs> yeah, know? the skill the faded over time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, for the bursts uh, there. I mean, they're they're like, okay, that's that footage that wasn't too bad to watch if we're talking if talking effects only. But uh, it, it's there kind of just to, uh, you know, yeah. Man behind the sun movie, motherfuckers. Here it is. Yeah, it's
2: like there's really almost no squib work even in this movie. Other than uh, flashbacks, do we see any kind of real gore?
1: You know. Exactly. So I mean, it earns the rating, and it's uh, but it's uh, quite a watered down man behind the sun movie. And if uh, if uh, Laboratory of the Devil was the it going through the emotions as that kind of movie, this is even you know another level, a low lower level than that, you know, because uh, we found going through emotions was was a toler- tolerable ride in there, right. and here it's like as I said, a slow ride to perish for the characters and a slow ride for us as well. <laughs> And, uh, and and having fucking Robert Mack like on the verge of crying all the time, I'm um, uh, one of the guys. You no, know,
0: how could they?
1: Uh... Just like I know Hong Kong's bread and butter is melodrama, but it's uh, really very affecting when that uh, intense and people are just looking whiny and about to cry all the time. You know, it's it's TV stuff that uh, and um, yeah. not necessarily good for for this one. So there you go. I mean, that's really all I have to say about it. Um, I I like having the perspective now on these three Men Behind the Sun movies. Like one really good one that I respect in, you know, thoroughly, you know, in and out. And these two, like Xerox copies that attempts to be, be, you know, on that playing field as well and achieve some kind of horror and notoriety and what have you. And only one kind of does it. This one uh, is... uh, You you can't really hype this movie up either. It's like, you know, Men Behind the Sun 3 has footage from (laughs) 2, you know, and it's boring, you know, it's better if you watch 2, I'm not selling you on this movie, am I? (laughs) (laughs) Even with a hard voice, I can't, so just fuck it, watch 2 instead. (laughs)
2: They have so many tears on this train,
1: <laughs> so many cries. Oh, trailer man, whatever, goddamn hard job, job selling uh, So really, really, that's the end of my notes, buddy. Do you want to add anything else?
2: Ah uh, man, I had like five notes for this movie. That's that's about it. <laughs> and we squeezed a, a lot of out of that five,
1: but uh, including some <laughs> including some plague comedy. <laughs> 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 might, that guy might have been on the train as well, and like, I, it's it, like he takes with him a tray of like very very frail plague bottles and i gotta carry is, this with me and obviously that train is not very stable it's moving all the time like i'm, I'm gonna carry this tray in here and i promise to be super careful. oh god damn it i've gone down again <laughs> <laughs> you all got to play now how do you feel about that <laughs> <laughs> And for some oh. reason he survives every goddamn drop of uh, of the vials and what have you. Maybe he's immune in some kind of weird extraterrestrial way. Like <laughs> For sitcom purposes, he is. You know. They send him from town to town <laughs> to get the shit together <laughs> and he fails he every could, time. He
2: he was their guy, you know, he was the one that would do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, it would just you know that who needs porcelain bombs? You just send this guy in. He could work as like a waiter or something like that and just you know bring a little bit of plate plague out with the food
1: maybe he would be time. like totally oblivious to the fact that he's fucking up all the time like that guy in police academy you know yeah. he creates chaos wherever he goes like uh, hi guys and there's some bombs blowing up behind him and he doesn't notice anything well, was it fletcher or some crap like that <laughs> in police academy you know what i mean uh, not the guy who does the funny noises. <laughs> I think it was called Fletcher. Like, he walked into like the pl- uh, police station at one point and he set off some fireworks and there's chaos and shit behind him. And he just walks into a briefing room like, hey guys, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> and this guy he just drops plate chaos behind him, you know, wherever he goes. like People are like, <laughs> in the back. He's like, hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> he drops another plate. That's your police academy reboot there, uh, like uh, Absolutely, with plague. Have, have a Japanese character called Plague Bob. Like, <laughs> why are you called Plague Bob? Well, well a little something, <laughs> I <picked up. laughs>
2: something I picked up.
1: Something I picked up. Oh, there you go, an narrow escape. We're respecting, uh, it doesn't respect history so that much uh, nor nor devil, so that means we can be a bit disrespectful disrespectful as well. (laughs) There you go, Plague Bob, a new character came out of this podcast. Yeah. Alrighty. As for availability, pretty much the same, Dutch label Japan Shock is your best bet. They put out the DVD uh, letterbox featuring Mandarin language and English subtitles and uh, that letterbox transfer was uh, pretty good. Uh, That's all you need. You don't need to uh, wait for a high-def version or anything. These are movies that are well-served by uh, You know, this uh, quality, which is not bad or anything. So
2: Mm Could have used a dub
1: Yeah, they didn't have any dub on that particular DVD uh, Actually, so uh, I would have gone with that instead actually because sometimes when movies are really boring the dubs uh, make them a little bit more tolerable Uh, So there you go. Uh, There is a dub, I'm sure, out there, but uh, not on this DVD. Uh, So that's that. Next time, uh, what we probably will do, uh, depending on what happens. uh, So it's either to the good time with uh, some of our regular Hong Kong Smarten players or we put our thinking caps on and do as thorough job as we can on the promised Black Sun, the Nanking Massacre episode, the second of Mutant Face. Uh, Black Sun Trilogy it was dubbed wasn't it yeah uh, Black Sun Trilogy uh, because Men Behind the Sun 2 and 3 by Godfrey Ho they were retitles that Moot and had nothing to do with they weren't meant to be part of his um, attempted trilogy He's done too by this mm-hmm. point and uh, by all accounts, it's um, it's obviously detailing like the Nanking massacre or, uh, or the Nanjing massacre. Um, by all accounts I've heard, it's a pretty solid. Well, one of the aspects I heard about it, which I'm fascinated to watch, is that Mu mixes actual uh, documentary footage of uh, executions or what have you, and uh, like replicates them, but in certain key moments, cuts either from the documentary footage to his own staged. Or vice versa, creating that like you know, made on the set feel versus real feel. You know, from color to black and white, or what have you. It can be interesting. I I like the look of it. I saw one clip of it uh, like, and it looked the effect looked interesting. Uh, looked super high budget too uh, compared to Men Behind the Sound. There's a massive sequence where uh, the Japanese uh, set fire to uh, an entire beach of corpses, like this almost uh, like. This wildfire that was done for not in the studio or miniature or anything. It looked pretty goddamn extensive. So I hope they could put that fire out, uh, <laughs> you know, effectively and had actual fire marshals for once, you know, for, for once someone hopefully control this stuff rather than like some jackasses who, like played with matches and gasoline when they were small. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. Absolutely. So we'll uh, look into, uh, I don't know too much about the Nanking Massacre, so I'll, I'll definitely read into it to put things into con- context uh, and all of that. Uh, there, there's uh, you, there, there's a glimpses of it in movies like Hong Kong 1941, the giant fat movie where,
2: yeah.
1: where you see a low-budget version of uh, the massacre starting on uh, like Christmas Day on, in 1937 or in December.
2: I haven't seen that forever either.
1: But uh, it, it deals with that. It's, uh, uh, Stuart Ong plays this uh, Japanese officer in that movie really good and has this uh, short uh, sword fight with uh, Chai Fat in that movie. Uh, a scene that actually Samahong choreographed. So it's a cool little thing, and Stuart Ong is fantastic in that one. Way way before his days of uh, being a Coxman. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you rate higher amongst the Coxmen? Is Charlie always number one, or is Stuart uh, threatening that number one position?
2: I don't think. Charlie can be dethroned, you know, just out of sheer volume and uh, you know. But
1: and we're, and we're not talking about this penis necessarily because we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we assume. Yeah.
2: But uh, I I would have to rank uh, Ong pretty high up there. Yeah. I think he's the most vicious for, sh- for sure. You know. And,
1: and Lee Li Chung Ling is like the the, <laughs> the happy the happy-go-lucky sweet one.
2: Right. He could ne- he could never be mean.
1: No. He's okay. tried in movies, but it doesn't come off as, right. come no. off well at all. No.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, talk about Forced. Uh, I'm going to find that movie where I knew he played like this triad and he walked into a room trying to be all hard and all he did was squint. And it just looked like, <laughs> you're cute. Like, are you fretting at me? Like, Aww. he's playing a bad guy. Try, oh, goddammit. You guys are no fun. Give him a banana. <laughs> <laughs> All right. on that note, we are going to do some brief contact information, and uh, this has been this week in title Tido the Theatre on Laboratory of the Devil and the Narrow Escape. And uh, we are located at podcast on Fire.com, the Podcast on Fire Network, that is. Uh, we have plenty of shows, bonus episodes on there. Email for feedback, podcast on fire at googlemail.com facebook.com forward slash pof network like our page and join the just join the discussion group by typing in podcast on fire network in the facebook search box and tweet us twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire or just follow our tweets follow my writing so good reviews.com that's the video reviews on the latter side and i tweet at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews rate and Review us on iTunes. Uh, we would very much appreciate you taking the time to do so. But you can also stream us on Stitcher if you don't like downloading podcasts to your preferred device. It's available online, but also to iPhone, iPad and Android. And once you're in there, type in this weekend's list to add us to your favorites or find us in general. Uh, hit up Brian Kirby. Throw at him some Michael Wong t-shirt suggestions. Uh, so there will be a following. <laughs> Not just me and Josh. Yeah. Uh, because I'd buy, as I said, I'd buy twenty, yeah. and and <laughs> it's, and pass and I pass out to my friends, and I only have two friends, so that would mean I have seventeen <laughs> left. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll wear them every day, therefore, myself. So. Uh, but uh, clothing dot com, hit them up, buy some t shirts, and uh, your two endeavors again, Joshua,
2: very dot net, and the Trashy Trio, search us on Google or check the post notes.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, you you're learning, my friend. Do, do, how many episodes do you plan in advance over there at TTT? At the TTT?
2: Um, it's really just, you know, it's whatever we can afford to do. It's like, like hey, whatever.
1: friends, I found a fucked up movie. Like <laughs> 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 like, w- like Wendy private messaging, you like, good, we're on board. That's it.
2: Uh, we, uh, we do a roundtable thing. I pick a movie, they pick, you know, Wendy picks a movie, Jay picks a movie.
1: You drop plague in the middle, and whoever dares to pick up <laughs> <in> the piece, <tea. laughs> you know, is the brave, brave man or woman, and is the one that uh, is uh, responsible for presenting it on the show. The plague. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, you know, sometimes I don't know. It's just. i not The next episode is going to be true story of a woman in jail, sex hell. Japanese. Yes.
1: Oh, what a surprise. At 17 words in the title, so therefore it's Japanese. <laughs> it's got to be.
2: It's that or Italian, you know. So uh, this next episode is going to be Jay's pick. And uh, that's already recorded, actually. just have to edit it and put it out there. Very cool.
1: I enjoy you guys. You're doing so, such a great job. And uh, in the middle of listening to 10, which you should as well, Cafe Flesh, they'll, they'll be talking hardcore porn, people.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Not only on this weekend's sleeves, it happens on TTT as well. So, good yes. on you. I enjoy it very much. So, and congratulations on reaching number 10, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, 20. Yes. I ho- hope so. And even 50. 100. We, we're closing in on 30. Uh, you haven't been on 30 exactly, but um, you, you've done plentiful. So, uh, we're closing in on 30, but this was 28. So, uh, 20. sign up and stop the war crime atrocities fucking for now anyway we, we, we still got one left <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll get to it either next episode or episode after that so i've been sleazy again with me also great lord joshua regal say bye in whatever voice you like goodbye Whoa, goodbye <laughs> oh this war crimes plague ball's <laughs> got a great ass but he's quite clumsy <laughs> <laughs> his only only advantage is he's got a great ass it's infected <laughs> with plague <laughs>
2: he, he spills it on himself.
1: He's got he in up. his ass. Like, how does that work? Oh my god. <laughs> like, where did these vials go? Like, up here? No. I oh shit, it broke. I had to go down it again. <laughs> oh, I don't go down it again. So, there you go. So, signing off, people. Bye bye. Thinking like, uh, thinking back on a moronic dad. (laughs) you fascinated me. Like, imagine, like this is not realistic anything. Imagine he maybe had that throughout his entire life. Like, even at his child, even when he was a child, he like, (laughs) like, constantly dropped the plague. Like like, uh, the parents here, like crash. Like, are you in? Did you drop the plague again? Are you in there dropping the plague again? No. We can see you in there. We can hear you in there. You dropped the pledge, And then it like uh, haunted him all throughout his life. Like it happened again and again. And eventually it took his life. Like
2: uh, Finally.
1: Like, oh, oh, no. Gone done it again. <laughs> uh. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> like, what, it's like a very Homer Simpson like uh, dope thing that only he died. So,
2: only he died.
1: So uh,
2: there you go.